ان الحمد لله نحمده ونستعينه ونستغفره ونعوذ بالله من شرور انفسنا وسيئات اعمالنا من يهده الله فلا مضل له ومن يضلل فلا هادي له واشهد ان لا اله الا الله وحده لا شريك له واشهد ان محمدا عبده ورسوله so then we come to the hadith of Jabir radiyallahu anhu qal kana rasulullahi sallallahu alayhi wa sallam yukabbiru ala janaizina arba'a yaqra'u bi fatihatil kitabi fi takbiratil ula and then also the hadith of Talha ibn Abdullah ibn Awf radiyallahu anhu qal sallaytu khalf ibn Abbas ala janaza faqara'a bi fatihatil kitab faqal litalamu annaha sunna the first hadith says that we prayed or that the Prophet ﷺ used to make four takbirat in the janazah prayer. And he used to read Surah Al-Fatiha after the first takbirah. In the second one it says that I prayed behind Abdullah ibn Abbas anhuma, the janazah. And he read the Fatiha out loud. But then he said, so that you know it's a Sunnah. So we did that last time and we learned that reading the Fatiha, that is a part of the Janazah prayer. But reading it out loud is not a Sunnah to do. But it was done by Ibn Abbas on that occasion simply to teach the people that's what you do. Normally, the recitation of Al-Fatiha is quiet in the Janazah prayer. The Imam does not read it out loud. So that's what we did last time. Moving on from that now, the hadith of Awf ibn Malik, radiyallahu anhu qal, Salla Rasulullahi ala janazah, fahifithtu min du'aihi. That the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam led the prayer upon a deceased person led the janazah prayer and so I memorized from his dua Allahumma ghfir lahu warhamhu wa'afihi wa'afu anhu wa'akrim nuzulahu wa'wasi' mudkhalahu wa'gsilhu bilma'i wa'thalji wal'barad وَنَقِّهِ مِنَ الْخَطَايَا كَمَا نَقَّيْتَ الثَّوْبَ الْأَبْيَضَ مِنَ الدَّنَسِ وَأَبْدِلْهُ دَارًا خَيْرًا مِنْ دَارِ وَأَهْلًا خَيْرًا مِنْ أَهْلِ وَأَدْخِلْهُ الْجَنَّةَ وَقِهِ فِتْنَةَ الْقَبْرِ وَعَذَابَ النَّارِ This hadith now Hadith 566 talks about the issue of what is to be recited during the prayer. To understand this, we understand the overall way of reading the Janazah prayer. It indicates five things occur in the Janazah prayer. 
Overall, there are five parts to the Janaza prayer. That firstly, there are four takbirat in the Janaza prayer. That's one thing we've learned. There are four takbirat in the Janaza prayer. Also, there is the recitation of Al-Fatiha in the Janaza prayer. Also, you send the prayers, the salutations upon the Prophet ﷺ in the Janaza prayer. Also, you make dua for the deceased in the Janaza prayer. And also, there is a salam at the end of the Janaza prayer. So there is the opening takbir, and then there is the recitation of Al-Fatiha. Then there is the second takbir, and there is the recitation of the prayers upon the Prophet Allahumma salli ala Muhammad. Then there is the third takbir, and then there is the dua that you make for the deceased person. Then there is the fourth takbir, and... Just a salam after it, nothing to read. That is what is indicated. Those five things, the fact that you have to have the four takbirat, that you have to read Fatiha, that you have to send the salutations upon the Prophet that you have to make a dua, and that you have to give the final salam, those five are the wajibat of the janazah prayer. Those five are the wajibat of the janazah prayer. Five wajibat of the janazah prayer. Then after that, and they can be considered also, I mean we just called it now the wajibat of the prayer, basically they are the pillars of the prayer. Those five are the pillars of the janazah prayer. The wajibat of the janazah prayer, the pillars of the janazah prayer. Then also we need to understand that there are conditions, shurut, conditions for the janazah prayer also. The first condition is the intention, niyyah, just like in any act of worship. So you must have the correct intention, the niyyah for the janazah prayer. Secondly, That the deceased and the ones praying the janazah upon him are all Muslims. If the deceased is a kafir, then there is no janazah prayer. If the deceased is a Muslim, but everybody there are kuffar, no janazah prayer. Janazah prayer condition is the person died is a Muslim and the people doing it are Muslims, if the person died is a kafir, even if everybody there is Muslim, they can't pray janazah on him. If the person died is a Muslim, but everybody there are all non-Muslims, there's no Muslim there, they can't perform a janazah prayer for him. So the second condition is that everybody there, the person died and the people praying upon him, they must be Muslim. 
Thirdly, the same condition as a normal prayer, purification. You must be upon purification for the janazah prayer too. Must be upon purification. If it's the major impurity, then the ghusl is required beforehand. Normally otherwise, the wudu is required. So standard purification is required for the janazah prayer too. And basically, all of the other conditions of the normal prayer are valid here too. So in the normal prayer, other conditions like standing, facing, uh, standing is a rukan, but conditions like facing the qibla, standing to face the qibla, the opening takbir, that's part of the uh, arkan. The conditions also covering the awrah, the awrah must be covered in the, in the prayer, in the janazah, your awrah must be covered facing the qibla, all of these normal conditions of the prayer, they apply here as well. Janazah prayer is prayed as soon as you are able to pray it. The only exceptions to that, the prohibited times of the day, you should avoid those. The prohibited times of the day, the janazah should be avoided in them too unless it's going to end up with too much of a delay, in which case you're allowed to pray them in the prohibited times. One of the prohibited times, for example, is after the Asr prayer up until Maghrib. So now if somebody died just around about Asr time, you do the washing and everything and they're ready, and it's an hour before Maghrib. That is now a, or it's still two hours before Maghrib. You get them ready, everything washed, all done, just near Asr time. After Asr now, all the way till Maghrib is a prohibited time. What are you going to do? Especially in summer, you're going to leave the body for three hours, not bury them. The scholars, they say, it's a prohibited time, but there you can go and do it. Because you're not going to keep the body there for three hours until after Maghrib, etc. So even in those times, for the sake of getting the janazah done quickly, it's allowed. Then, وعن أبي هريرة رضي الله عنه أن النبي صلى الله عليه وسلم قال إذا صليتم على الميت فأخلصوا له الدعاء That when you pray upon the deceased then be sincere in your dua for him. When you pray upon the deceased then be sincere in your dua upon him. Akhlisu lahu dua. So this indicates that it is obligatory to make dua for the deceased in the prayer. And we've been told here that you make that with absolute sincerity, asking Allah to forgive the deceased, asking Allah to have mercy upon the deceased, Asking Allah to enter the deceased into paradise, sincerely making dua for that deceased, then that is what this hadith informs us of. Then we come to the hadith of Abu Huraira again, that the Prophet said, Asri'u bil janazah, fa'in taku saliha, fa'khayrun tuqaddimunaha ilayhi. وَإِن تَكُسِ وَذَلِكَ فَشَرٌ تَضَعُونَهُ عَنْ رِقَابِكُمْ مُتَّفَقٌ عَلَيْهِ In this hadith, the Prophet ﷺ says, 
be quick with the janaiz. When somebody dies, do what needs doing, everything we talked about, do the prayer and go bury them. Do that quickly. Don't delay and take long time doing that procedure. When somebody dies, do it as quickly as you can, all of the procedures. Do the janazah, go and bury them as quickly as possible. Why? Because that person who has died is going to be one of two situations. Either he is a righteous person, in which case you should quickly go bury him so he can be in the blessings of Barzakh. Quickly go bury him and let him be in the blessings of Barzakh. And if it was somebody bad, the opposite, then the Prophet says, quickly remove that evil person from your shoulders. You don't want to keep that evil person there. If he was an evil person, then the Prophet says, bury them quickly to quickly remove them and free yourselves of them. So if it's a good person, you need to be quick, get them into the Barzakh and the blessings of the grave. If it's a bad person, then you want to get rid of them as soon as possible to remove that evil from yourselves. So when the Prophet said, be quick with the janazah, al-isra' it has been said, that the meaning of it is when you're carrying the janazah to bury. Uh, do that hastily. Take the janazah. The janazah refers to the actual deceased, the body. Take the body quickly. Janazah in Arabic, it can refer to that. So take the body quickly. That is one of the meanings of it. So you're not supposed to walk carefully with the procession of people as they do in some of their cultures, slowly and carefully, and there's people lined up and doing it all like that as a ceremony, not like that. You do it quickly and you take the body quickly so it can be buried. Others, they say that the meaning of be quick with the janazah is overall everything, the washing, the shrouding, do it all quickly. Don't keep the body there for a day, two days, ten days, etc. Do what you need to do quickly, washing, uh, shrouding, prayer, and go bury them. Do the whole procedure quickly. So that is the two meanings of this. There is a hadith in Abu Dawood where it is said, لا ينبغي لجيفة المسلم أن تحبس بين ظهريني أهله It is not suitable for the corpse of a Muslim to remain amongst the family. Not suitable for the corpse of a Muslim, the body of a Muslim to remain amongst the family. Body, the person has died, do what you need to do, the shrouding, washing, etc. Janazah, go bury him. It is not suitable for the body to remain there. فَيُسْرَعُ بِهِ So you do all of that quickly and get the burial done quickly. That's why we spoke about it before. You're not supposed to wait and delay the janazah to allow people to attend. Unless there is some benefit behind that, meaning if it was close relatives, very close relatives, they say we're coming, we're only going to be half an hour or something, then you can delay slightly, just wait, let them get there. But otherwise, generally... Generally, you're going to wait a day or two days for people from this country, that country, relatives. You don't do that. Then you do the burial. A small delay just to let the close relatives arrive is no problem. Some of the scholars say 
But any type of bigger delay, you don't do it. Do it quickly. Unless there is some type of need for a delay. Some type of need for a delay. One of the reasons for a delay may be various things. What if the person is unidentified? Imagine now some accident happened, there was a building that burnt or something, and some people have died in the building. They burnt and they died. You pick out their bodies out of the building. Who are these people? Who are their families? How are you going to tell them? It may take a few days to identify who these people are. If that is the case, then you may need to delay all of the washing and shrouding, etc. Uh, for that person to identify who the person is, for example. Uh, other reasons may be to establish whether the person has actually died. And that is something maybe not as relevant these days, but in the olden days it was something very much relevant that certain conditions of the body where the heart rate slows down to a minimal level and everything slows down to an absolute minimal level. It is mentioned in history how they used to bury people they thought were dead and they were not dead. How did they know that they used to do this? This is mentioned in the normal history. You see it in the, in the, in the, in the archives and in the history. That in the olden days it used to occur. That they used to bury people they thought were dead because of these coma-like status they used to get into. People fall into a type of coma, their heart rate, everything just completely drops. People think they're dead. They used to go bury them. How do they know that they were actually alive? Sometimes they would hear sounds and they would dig them up later. Sometimes maybe they find them alive, but other times when they dug up the graves, they would find on the inside of the coffins scratch marks, meaning that people were definitely alive after they were buried. So, especially in the olden days where science was not like the way it is now, you can't put monitors on you to check exactly if your heart is beating, all these things. So in those days, you would maybe sometimes need to take a while to establish, is the person definitely dead? Or is it some type of coma that he's gone into and the heartbeat and everything? And that is something in the olden days which was confusing at times. And they may not recognize instantly if a person is dead or just in some deep coma. So, that may be a reason why you delay sometimes just to verify that the person is definitely passed away, for example. Uh, otherwise, you may delay, like we said, if the close relatives need to come. A small delay for that, for the close relatives to arrive. Uh, or maybe even people of virtue. If people of virtue are attending. So, when it is some type of recognized reason, then you can delay a little bit the janazah and the burial. But otherwise, the rule is, you do not delay, that should be done as quickly as possible. And the Prophet ﷺ explained why, فَإِنَّهَا إِن That if that person was somebody righteous, then you want to quickly go do that and bury him, and then he will be in the blessings of the grave. So do not delay him from that. And if it is somebody evil, then you don't want their body here. If it is somebody evil, remove that body from your presence. Quickly remove it and bury it if it is somebody evil. Remove that body from your shoulders. So in both cases, there is reason to hasten with the janazah. Then after that, it goes on and it mentions, 
قال رسول الله صلى الله عليه وسلم من شهد الجنازة حتى يصلى عليها فله قيراط ومن شهدها حتى تدفن فله قيراطان قيل ما القيراطان قال مثل الجبلين العظيمين متفق عليه ولمسلم حتى توضع في اللحد In this hadith the Prophet ﷺ says Whomsoever witnesses the janazah prayer meaning prays the janazah prayer upon someone then you have a qirat amount of reward and whomsoever prays the janazah prayer and goes until the burial is done and everything, then that person has two qirat of reward. They said to the Prophet ﷺ, what is a qirat? He said, like a great mountain. Two qirat worth of reward is like two great mountains worth of reward. So this hadith indicates to us the virtue and the reward of Praying the janazah prayer. And that the person who prays the janazah prayer, there is a great reward for him. If he prays just the janazah prayer and doesn't actually go to the graveyard for the burial, then it mentions he has one qirat of reward for doing that. One qirat, one great mountain amount of reward for praying the janazah prayer. And if he does that and carries on and follows the procession and gets to the grave and does the burial as well, everything until it's fully buried, then that person has double the reward, two qirat worth of reward, two great mountains worth of reward. In some narrations it even says that it is like the equivalent of Mount Uhud. The equivalent of Mount Uhud in reward. So what do we learn in this hadith? We learn of the great virtue of praying the janazah prayer. The great reward of praying the janazah prayer. And the great reward of following the janazah prayer all the way until the burial occurs. And so if you do all of that sincerely, Pray the janazah prayer sincerely, make dua for the deceased sincerely, and then follow all the way to the graveyard and the burial, and witness all of that, make dua for the deceased again, then you have two great mountains worth of reward for doing that. So that is a great virtue for the Muslim to perform this act of worship. The Shaykh says, when it comes to the janazah, there are three levels of reward. One is a person just prays the janazah prayer and goes, that's it. That's the lowest. The second one, a person prays the janazah and goes and does the burial. After the burial is done, the last bit of the soil is done, he walks off and goes. What's the third level, even higher than that? To pray the janazah prayer, go and do all of the burial once the last soil is unfinished, to stay after that. Stay for a while and make dua for the dead person. 
Stay for a while after that and make dua for the dead person. Ask Allah to forgive him. Ask Allah to forgive his shortcomings and his sins. Ask Allah to have mercy upon him. Ask Allah to make him strong in the test of the grave, the trial of the grave, the questioning of the grave. So to stay after the burial and make dua that Allah forgives this dead person, making dua to Allah to have mercy on him after the burial has been done, then that is the best. Pray the janazah, go and stay for all of the burial to be finished. After it's finished, stay there and carry on making some dua for the dead person, asking Allah to forgive him. That is the best thing. So that is the highest level and the most complete level of reward for the person who does all of that. No, even if innovations are going on, you do not participate in any innovation. You stay there and fulfill the sunnah. Innovations are going on. If it's out of your control, you're unable to do anything about it. You step aside from the innovations. You do not get involved with what the people are getting involved in. You show them the sunnah. Step aside and make dua individually. No congregation, no nothing else. Step aside, implement the sunnah, make dua for the deceased. You do that. And you do not participate with the others in whatever innovations they may be participating in. Some of the people particularly to make the congregational dua. And it is not established that there should be a congregational dua after the janazah. Some people rely upon certain narrations again which are not fully established. That you should make the adhan after you bury the dead person. Stay on the grave and make the adhan on the grave. Again not established. So if they are doing those types of things or anything else, or putting leaves into the graves and those types of things, anything else, you stay out of that innovation and implement the sunnah at the side for this deceased person. People of Tawheed to be there and to fulfill the sunnah and to make dua for him and ask Allah for forgiveness for him. The people of Tawheed doing that, that is good for him. The people of Tawheed should do that. Fulfill the right upon their brother, upon the sunnah, and ignore and leave what the innovation people are doing. Then, now then, in this narration it says, the narration of Salim an Abihi. Salim narrates from his father, radiyallahu anhu. Salim narrates from his father, radiyallahu anhu. Who is Salim and who is his father? Salim, narrating from his father. Salim, when you see that, typically it is the son of Abdullah, the son of the son of Abdullah ibn Umar, the grandson of Umar ibn al-Khattab. Salim was the grandson of Umar ibn al-Khattab. He was the son of Abdullah. Uh, Ibn Umar Ibn al-Khattab So Salim narrates from his father Abdullah Ibn Umar Ibn al-Khattab That he, i.e. Abdullah Ibn Umar Radiyallahu anhu, the companion He saw the Prophet Sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, he says Abdullah Ibn Umar Radiyallahu anhu Saw the Prophet Sallallahu alayhi wa sallam And Abu Bakr And Umar His own 
Father, walking ahead of the, the body when going to the graveyard. Carrying the body to the graveyard, he says, I saw the Prophet Abu Bakr and Umar all walking in the procession ahead of the body. That's what he mentions here. What does this indicate then? فَهَذَا فِيهِ دَلِيلٌ عَلَىٰ أَنَّ الْمُشَاتِ يَكُونُونَ أَمَامَ الْجَنَازَةِ وَأَمَّا الرُّكْبَانِ فَإِنَّهُمْ يَكُونُونَ خَلْفَهَا هَذَا هُوَ الْأَفْضَلِ People who are walking along with the body to the, to the grave, they can be in front of the body. They can be in front of the body. If there are people on riding animals, which is not common these days, but it may occur in places. If there are people on riding animals, they should stay behind the body. They should stay behind the body, but anybody walking, they can be in front. That is the best way to do it. That walking people should be at the front. Riding people should be behind. But if they are on the right hand side of the body, to the left hand side of the body, behind the body, all of it is acceptable, there's no issue. All of it is acceptable, there is no issue. But it simply mentions here that the walking people, uh, Prophet Abu Bakr, Umar anhumah, they used to walk in front of the janazah, indicating the permissibility of people walking ahead of the body. Because often some people may think that when you're walking to the grave, the body that needs to be right at the front, everybody stay behind. Not necessarily. Nothing wrong with that, people being in front of the body as you're walking to the graveyard. So this hadith highlights that this is permissible. If the deceased is male or female, it doesn't mention any difference in particular. It just mentions that the walkers in front and the riders behind. Non-Muslim baby is going to be buried by the non-Muslims. And then the Muslims are going to bury him. If the Muslims are going to bury a non-Muslim baby, uh, non-Muslim baby. Every baby is born upon fitra. But do you do the rulings of Islam upon that baby? To be honest, Allah alam, your question there is interesting and I've never come across it. So this week's homework is going to be that. If a non-Muslim, meaning a child that was raised by kuffar, born into a kafir family, something happens, a scenario happens where he dies and his, his parents, relatives, all the kuffar, nobody's there. Ends up in the hands of the Muslims, the body of this child from this kafir family. How do the Muslims do with that? What do they do with it? How do they do with it? 
That's your homework. You have two weeks to do it. Two weeks to look into that issue. It's a rare issue, but I'm sure in the books of fiqh, it's bound to be mentioned somewhere. In the books of fiqh, they are bound to mention that type of issue somewhere. What you do and how you do. But we'll look into that. We'll look into that. Then you have An Um Atiyah Radiallahu Anha Qalat Nuhina Anitibail Janais Walam Yuazam Alina Mutafakun Ali Um Atiyah Radiallahu Anha, a famous companion, female companion. She says that we were prohibited from following the funeral processions. But it was not made as a compulsory prohibition. As-Sahabi idha qal nuhina aw umirna Whenever a companion says we were prohibited from X, Y, and Z or we were commanded to do X, Y, and Z then that indicates that this hadith is connected up to the Prophet because the only one prohibiting them and commanding them is the Prophet Nuhina ay nahana Rasulullah That the Prophet prohibited us from following the funeral procession, the women. For the women to follow the funeral procession. Meaning the janazah has been done, then after that the body is going to be carried to the grave. In the hadith now it indicates that the Prophet prohibited women from being in that group, the procession going up to the grave. In following that janazah to the grave. فَهَذَا فِيهِ دَلِيلٌ عَلَىٰ أَنَّ اتِّبَاعَ الْجَنَائِزِ خَاصٌ بِالْرِجَالِ أَمَّا النِّسَاءِ فَإِنَّ هُنَّ مَنْهِيَّاتِ عَنِ اتِّبَاعِ الْجَنَائِزِ كَمَا أَنَّ هُنَّ مَنْهِيَّاتِ عَنْ زِيَارَةِ الْقُبُورِ كَمَا سِيَاتِ So the hadith indicates the women are prohibited from following the funeral procession up to the grave. That's what it indicates. ففيه دليل على تحريم اتباع اتباع النساء للجنائز وتشييع الجنائز following the procession لأن النهي يقتضي التحريم because a prohibition indicates that it is haram to do but then you have the issue where it says at the end ولم يعزم علينا that it wasn't something strictly prohibited upon us that would kind of indicate that the meaning is it was like makruh. We were prohibited from doing it, but it wasn't made strict upon us that you absolutely cannot do it. That's what it indicates, the wording of the hadith. But as Shaykh al Fawzan says, Awluha radiallahu anha walam yu'zam alayna that it wasn't strictly prohibited. فَهَذَا مِنْ كَلَامِهَا وَهِيَّ مِنْ فَهْمِهَا هِيَا This is difference of opinion. And the Shaykh says, this statement, but it wasn't 
strictly made prohibited upon us. That is the statement of who? Of her Umm Atiyah. Her understanding of it. So the Shaykh says that is her understanding of it. فَلَا يُؤَثِّرْ عَلَى مَفْهُومْ النهي وَأَنَّهُ لِلْتَحْرِيمِ لِأَنَّ الْعِبْرَ بِمَا قَالَهُ الرَّسُولَ سَلَّمْ وَأَمَّا مَا رَآهُ الصَّحَابِي اجْتِهَادًا مِنْهُ أو فَهْمًا مِنْهُ فَهَذَا لَا يُؤَثِّرْ عَلَى أَصْلِ الْحَدِيثِ وَالْجُمْهُورْ عَلَى تَحْرِيمِ اتِّبَاعِ النِّسَاءِ لِلْجَنَائِسِ So that is her understanding of the affair. The Prophet ﷺ definitely said it is prohibited for women to follow the funeral procession. She then adds from her interpretation of that statement of the Prophet ﷺ that it wasn't something strict upon us. So what do we have here? We have definitely that the Prophet ﷺ prohibited the women from following the janazah procession. Then we have this opinion of Umm Atiyah that it wasn't, or this understanding of Umm Atiyah that it wasn't made strict upon us. That wasn't the statement of the Prophet Sallallahu though, was it? She didn't say that the Prophet Sallallahu prohibited us from going after the janazah prayers, following the janazah prayers, but he said, this is not a strict prohibition. Not like that, was it? The fact that she believes it wasn't a strict prohibition was her interpretation and understanding of the situation. So the Shaykh says that is the ijtihad of her, the ijtihad of a companion, but we have the absolute statement of the Prophet ﷺ that the women were prohibited from following the janais, and therefore the majority of the scholars are of the opinion that it is haram, absolutely, for women to follow the funeral procession. The majority of the scholars are upon the opinion al-jumhur ala tahrim nisa it is impermissible for women to follow the funeral procession. Because then you have the other issue as well. Is it even allowed for women to go into the graveyard? Is it allowed for women to go into graveyards? Is it allowed for women to go into graveyards? I didn't ask for explanation. Yes or no? Yes? It's allowed for women to go into graveyards. Ijma'ah? Everybody? Everybody. It's allowed for women to go to the graves and visit the graves. Everybody says yes. Oh, condition, mashallah. What's the condition? All right, okay. Huh? So what do you mean? Sometimes. So as long as they don't go regularly, you're saying they can go sometimes. That's your opinion. So everybody here says they can go apart from one person. You're saying women cannot go into the graveyard. What's your evidence? Allah. Hadith. Allah. Allah cursed. Zuwarat. The Zuwarat is what? Female, it's the female visitors, female visitors. But Zuwar, is it the same as Zairat? What's the difference between Zairat and Zuwarat? What's the difference? Mubalaha. So Zuwarat means regular visit. 
Zair, just visitor. That's why the scholars have a difference of opinion as to whether women are allowed to go to graves in the first place. Some scholars say women are not allowed to go to the graves at all. It is an opinion of many scholars. Because the hadith says Allah curses the women who visit graves. Hadith, hadith, authentic. Curse of Allah upon the women who go visit the graveyards, go into the graveyards. Clear hadith, curse of Allah upon them. Hence, many scholars, they say, women cannot go into graveyards and to the graves. That's just the way the ruling is of Islam. Other scholars, they say, they can, but only if it's now and again. Once in a blue moon. The first group of scholars said, absolutely never. They cannot step foot inside those graves. Second opinion says, it's not absolutely never they can go in. Mostly they can't, but on the odd occasion, they can. But how are they going to explain when the hadith says, the curse of Allah be upon the women who visit? Because of those wordings. Zairat and Zuwarat. The hadith, one of them says, Allahu Zairat al qubur I think the wording at the end is. The women who visit the graves. The other one says, Zuwarat. The first one, Zairat, means a woman who visits the grave anytime. Anytime. Curse of Allah upon her. That would mean, therefore, a woman can never visit the graves. The second one though says Zuwarat, which means women who regularly visit the graves. That's the one whom the curse of Allah is upon. So if you're a woman who visits the graves once in a blue moon, you are not a regular one all the time going to the graves, then the hadith doesn't apply to you. Therefore you can go once in a while. That is the opinion of a Shaykh al-Albani. But other scholars... For example, from the ones who are alive now, Sheikh Abdul Muhsin al-Abbad and others, they say absolutely women cannot go into the graveyard. But Sheikh al-Albani, because of this wording, Zubarat indicates Mubalaha. So if you do not do it regularly, once in a blue moon, odd occasion, a woman can go. As long as, with the conditions, she is covered up properly, everything, and she can control herself. If a woman is overly emotional, too emotional, and she's going to go into some type of state when she gets to the grave of her child or something, then she can't go. If she's over emotional, then no. And if she's not covered up fully properly, then no. So all of the conditions in place, and she can control herself, then okay. And only once in a blue moon, not any type of regular visit. And also the bid'ah people do, they make certain times. Read day. We must go visit our father in the grave and our grandfather and this one. Eid day we must go. Jumu'ah we must go. This type of thing is bid'ah. So you don't make that type of uh, timetable for visiting the deceased. What about praying the janazah? Does the woman pray the actual janazah prayer? 
That's no problem, of course. Women participate and pray. The janaza prayer, that is not an issue. What if there were no men? A child died. No men are present. Just the women. Do the women do the shrouding, washing, everything, and just pray the janazah themselves? One of the women lead the prayer? Or do they have to wait for the men, or what, what happens? Yeah, like a small child. So they can do the washing and everything themselves, the, the shrouding themselves, but the janazah prayer, can they do that themselves and bury the child, or do they... So you're saying they can't do it? They can do it. A woman can lead the janazah prayer. If there were just women there, a child, for example, has died, they can do everything and lead the janazah prayer if that's required. If there were no men, etc., nothing else, they can do the janazah prayer upon that child and bury him. Or it's another woman, for example. They can do it, the shouting, the washing, everything, and bury that person, that woman, and do the janazah upon her. If it's a man, that's another homework there. Then after that, وعن أبي سعيد رضي الله عنه أن رسول الله صلى الله عليه وسلم قال إذا رأيتم الجنازة فقوموا فمن تبعها فلا يجلس حتى توضع In this hadith now it says if you see the funeral procession then stand and whomsoever follows it, do not sit down until it has been put into the grave. هذا الحديث فيه أن النبي صلى الله عليه وسلم أمر بالقيام للجنازة وأنه نهى عن الجلوس لمن شيعها حتى توضع أما الشق أما الشق الأول من الحديث وهو القيام إلى الجنازة إذا مرت فهذا وردت فيه أحاديث وآثار أنه إذا مرت الجنازة والناس جالسون فإنهم يقومون إلى أن تتجاوز الجنازة وتذهب ولكن هل هذا مستمر أو نسخ There are several narrations that mention If for example imagine you're somewhere in the street or something and a funeral procession goes by you know, Especially in those days they may go to a musalla, pray the janazah prayer, then they have to walk 100 meters to the grave, for example. On the way, they are going, the janazah is going, it's been carried to the grave, and you happen to be there somewhere, sitting down on the road or in your whatever you are. The narrations mention, if you see that, you should stand. Stand when the janazah prayer passes you by. Once it's passed, you can sit down again. There are narrations about this. You should stand in the janazah procession is passing through you or by you. That is definitely mentioned. There are narrations mentioning it. Standing if the funeral procession passes you by. However, there is some discussion amongst the scholars as to whether those narrations and that ruling was abrogated or if it still applies. Do you have to stand if a funeral procession passes you by or not? It mentions here, فيه قولان القول الأول أنه مستمر وأنه يشرع القيام للجنازة إذا مرت حتى تذهب. The first opinion that it, it applies 
If a janaza procession goes past you, you should stand. Once it's passed, you can sit down and do what you're doing again. Second opinion, which is the correct opinion now, the second opinion, that it's actually been abrogated. The correct opinion is that this has been abrogated. Initially, it was a ruling that if you happen to be doing something and you notice a janazah going past, you have to stand. And when it's gone, you can sit down again. Later on, though, there are narrations that the janazah would be taken by and the Prophet would not stand. And that happened afterwards. So many of the scholars, which is the correct opinion, they understood from this that the ruling to have to stand for a procession is abrogated. That is the correct opinion. So you do not have to stand if a funeral procession is passing you by. Secondly, it mentions in the hadith that a person who is in the procession following it then that person, if you're in the actual procession following the janazah to the grave, you definitely don't sit down until you get there and the body is put into the grave. That part is correct and applies to this day. If you're going with the janazah, following it, you don't sit down until you get to the grave and it's buried. al-janazah <laughs> So when you get to the grave, you don't just sit down, even if you're tired or whatever, you stay standing until the body is put in there and buried. Mm. Driving is different. When you drive, you get to the grave. But once you get to the graveyard, then they're going to take the body out of the car and you're going to walk to the grave. That section now, when you're walking along, you don't sit down. Even when you get there, don't sit down until the body is buried. The hadith says, so you, if you are following the janazah in the procession, you can't sit down until the janazah, the body is put down. What does it mean until the body is put down? Put down meaning into the actual grave and buried, or just they get there and maybe initially you put the body at the side and just prepare things and then put it down. Does it just mean until the body is put down off the shoulders or actually put in the grave and buried? Actually, it just means until the body is put down. Once you get there and the body is taken off the shoulders and down on the ground now, you may not put it straight into the grave, it may be put at the side first, especially these days they do the organization and put the cloth and everything to be able to put it into the grave. So normally they put it at the side of the grave first and then they do the, the, the ropes and the everything to make sure you can put it in carefully. As long as it's off the shoulders and down on the ground now, now you can sit. The body has now been put down.
The next narration. An Abi Ishaq Anna Abdullah ibn Ibn Yazid radiallahu anhu أدخل الميت من قبل رجلي القبر وقال هذا من السنة In this hadith it mentions that the body was put into the grave from the foot of the grave In other narrations it mentions the body was taken into the grave from the head of the grave from the head side of the grave أنه أدخل الميت في القبر من قبل رجلي القبر وفي رواية ثانية أنه أدخله من جهة رأسه من رأس القبر وفي رواية ثالثة أنه أدخله من جهة القبلة عرضا In another narration it even says about putting the body in sideways This is all about how do you lower the body into the grave The body is going to be facing the qibla The head is going to be on one side of the grave The feet are going to be on the other side of the grave in one narration it says the body was lowered in from the side where the feet are going to end up. From that side they came into the grave lowering it in. In another narration it says from the side where his head is going to end up, they came in that way and then moved it forward until his feet reached the other side and his head came there. In another narration from the side of the grave they took him in. So which is the way to do it? You go... Like backwards with the body, with the head first from the foot side of the grave and go forward. And then the head goes on that upside and the last thing to come into the grave is the feet of the deceased. Or do you do the other way? The feet of the deceased are the first thing to go in. And then you go along until the last thing which comes in is the head of the deceased. Or is it just sideways in? Which way is it done? The Sheikh says, وَكُلُّ الْأَحْوَالِ جَائِزَةِ وَالْأَمَرَ عَلَى السَّعَةِ وَالْحَمْدُ All of that is permissible. There is nothing in particular. You can take the body in from the bottom, from the top, from the side. Body can be lowered in from any side. It is not an issue. That is something which is open to you. إِنْ أَدْخَلَهُ مِنْ جِهَةِ رِجِيلِ الْقَبْرِ وَسَلَّهُ سَلًّا حَتَّى يَضَعَهُ فِي اللَّحَدِ أو بالعكس أدخله من قبل رأس القبر وسله إلى رجل القبر حتى يضعه في العد أو وضع في جهة القبلة ثم أو وضع في جهة القبلة ثم أنزل إلى القبر عرضا الصفات الثلاث كلها لا مانع منها all of them are allowed whether you go in from the head first and then the last thing comes in is the legs or the legs first and the last thing comes in is the head or the full body sideways inwards all of it is permissible when entering the body into the grave. Then we have this hadith of Aisha radiyallahu anha Anna Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam qal Kasru azmi al-mayyit ka kasrihi hayya Breaking the bone of a deceased, the body is just like breaking the bone of somebody alive Breaking a bone of a deceased of the body is just like breaking the bone of somebody alive What's the purpose of this hadith and what's the meaning of it? What's it trying to show us? The respect you have to show. 
That is now a deceased, it is a body, but still you must show a great degree of respect. The honor and the dignity of a Muslim remains even after his death. So even the body now has its honor and dignity just like it would have when it's alive. You wouldn't break the bone of a person alive, you cannot do it to the body. Must be very careful and show respect. وَلَكِنْ كَكَسْرِهِ حَيًّا يَعْنِي فَالضَّمَانِ أو بماذا؟ لا بيّنتها الرواية الثانية أنه مثل كسره حيًّا في الإثم The meaning is I mean if you were to break somebody's bone who's alive there are repercussions to that Islamically You're going to be held accountable and there are repercussions to that The one who's died are there repercussions to you? Are there rulings upon you? The had has to be established upon you? Not like that so what does it mean that breaking the bone of a deceased is like breaking the bone of somebody alive in terms of the sin? If you broke somebody's bone now, you broke somebody's arm, you're a sinner for doing that. And if you did that to the body of a person, you'd be a sinner too. So it shows you have to show that high level of respect even for the deceased and that uh, you keep the dignity and the honor even of the deceased. And that's why there's another narration which mentions نَهَا رَسُولَ سَلَّمْ أَنْ يُجَسَّسَ الْقَبَرْ وَأَنْ يُقْعَدَ عَلَيْهِ وَأَنْ يُبْنَى عَلَيْهِ That you cannot build things on a grave and you cannot sit on top of a grave. Don't ever sit on top of a grave. Disrespect. That's why it's even mentioned about, in some narrations, walking through the graveyard, not in the footpaths. In the graveyards, you have footpath areas and then you go off the footpaths into the grave areas. In those grave areas, there are narrations and statements of the scholars, you should take off your shoes. Respect for the deceased, don't walk on top of their or around their graves with shoes on. So, you have to show respect, you do not sit on the graves, and uh, you do not show uh, a lack of dignity and honor for the deceased after their deaths. That is where we'll have to conclude today. Next week is cancelled. Next week is the conference in Cardiff. So you should try and make an effort to go there, even if it's just for the day. It will be a full conference, Friday, Saturday, and Sunday. Musa Richardson and Hassan Somali are coming from America as well. Insha'Allah, all confirmed. So it will be a full conference for the weekend. Six, five, six, seven lectures every day, full every day, full schedule. So try and go to that for as long as you can, even if it is only one day. Try and make it for one day, everybody will be there. It will be a big conference, very useful, very beneficial. So that is next weekend. Therefore, this lesson, all of the lessons in the North are cancelled next week. Uh, and then we'll be back here then in two weeks' time, inshallah ta'ala. Mm. Well, what can you do? That's our necessity. What else is there? But he needs to learn then. Learn the du'as as quick as possible. I don't know of any substitute. No, no. The deceased do not hear the person above, but you make dua for them. You go there, you make dua for them, ask Allah to forgive them, ask Allah to have mercy upon them, give salam upon them, and that's it. All right, in two weeks' time then, inshallah.